Hey gang, Chris Merman here, uh, bringing you another episode of the 12 Days of Agile. Hope you're enjoying everything so far. Uh, if you're new to this series, we ran this a few years ago um, and, uh, and wanted to bring it out just because some things have happened in the, uh, in, the, in the last couple of years that might have changed how we view some of these things. And also the conversation keeps evolving. And that's one of the great things about these principles is that they continue to mean new things to us in new ways. Uh, every single year, every single year we learn more and grow more. I, I find that super helpful because this is not something that's set in stone. Um, and face-to-face communication is probably the principle that's taken the biggest, um, uh, how do I word this? The, it's, it's not really taken like a punch or a beating or anything. It's just... It's had to stand on its own. It's had to speak for itself in the last couple of years because many of us still aren't face-to-face. If you're out there and you're, and you're working in the office face-to-face, if you're able to meet face-to-face, that is so awesome. I'm, uh, I'm, really, I'm really jealous of you. I'm still working from my bedroom. Um, and, you know, I, I get up and I walk, you know, six feet from my bed to my desk. And that's been my office for the last nearly two years. It's insane. Um, the last time I was, uh, the last time I was in person was March of 2020, which is insane or February. Um, so why has face-to-face communication changed? Well, because we're not in person but we are face-to-face. We now know that there is science behind how our brain receives people over video chat versus in person. And then scientifically speaking, our brain recognizes both as the exact same things. But we know also from having done this the last two years that it is not the same thing and you cannot replace it. You cannot replace being in person. There is something that is missing about being in person. Um, But is it required? No. We can be successful without being face-to-face. We've had to be successful the last two years. We've had to redefine what success is. Um, You know, there's no in-between. A lot of times there's no in-between time for teams to gather and work. It's we meet and then we go off and do our thing and then we come back together and we try to limit those things. It's why I don't do virtual happy hours really much, if any, anymore. I was never, it was kind of a struggle for me to begin with in 2020. Um, we need more than that. We need in-person conferences. We need in-person team events. We need in-person things face-to-face. Um, but we don't always get it. So, you know, for, for those of you that have team members that are located in another country, in another time zone, in another city, um, you've been feeling this already, but COVID's accelerated that and has forced us to reckon with how do we really feel about this principle? Um, so I don't know, think about that as you're going through this and, and let us know in, you know, in the comments and also in, in our Discord. Like, let us know what you think of face-to-face. Is it, is it something we need to care about anymore? Or what does face-to-face even mean to you? Anyway, Jay and I tackled this episode. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. This is Jim Highsmith, and you're now listening to the Agile of Friday Evening Podcast. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 
Six geese are laying. Five golden rings. Four calling boys. Three French and two turtle doves. And a partridge in a pear tree. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising podcast. I am your host this evening, Jay Hersko. Joined with me is fellow board member Chris Merman. Yeehaw! <laughs> and you are listening to yet another episode in the Agile Uprising 12 Days of Agile podcast series. Tonight we're going to talk about principle number six, which is face to face. So let's just dive in. So the verbatim description of this principle is quote, the most efficient and effective method of conveying information to and within a development team is face to face conversation, unquote. Uh, so, Chris, I think, I think I want to start with unpacking this. Considering the time that the manifesto was written and considering what this says, when you would read it, you'd say face-to-face conversation and automatically you'd think, okay, that means everybody needs to be co-located and everyone needs to be sitting in the room and everyone needs to be at least somewhere around each other where they can look and see each other's facial expressions. And at that time, maybe it made sense, but nowadays, I don't think it does. And I'm not so sure it's realistic to have people sitting in the same room all working together, especially with some of the bigger enterprises that I've come across. What do you think? I love that you said that, Jay, because whenever I teach the principles, there's a, um, for those of you coaches out there that haven't tried this, there's a the technique that I use when I'm teaching the principles called pocket principles, which is you read through the 12 and you say, man, like that's a lot of words, right? Most effective in a method, you know, effective method of commun- conveying information, right? Like that's a lot. So could you boil it down into three-ish words, right? So what I tell teams is you're not going to remember all this verbatim. Hell, I read through these, you know, almost every day and I can't read them verbatim. So what you can do is you can, you know, get a pocket version of, right? So, and I always, I love teams version of this because a lot of times they do use the word co-location. They do use the words, uh, sometimes they say, Oh, well, this is the this is the stand-up or daily scrum principle kind of a thing. I, I would agree. Like most people default to this type of, well, we have to be looking at each other in the eye kind of a thing, which is interesting because back in 2001 when they wrote these, the world was different than nowadays, right? Would you agree, Jay? Absolutely. It is almost I mean, it's almost 20 years, right? It's it's way different than than the intent or what it what it was back then. I mean, this was authored by software professionals, for software professionals, under the guise of making the craft better, you know, leaning on your XP principles. And back then with startups and smaller companies, it was IT still being a fairly new field. It was easy to say, put everybody face to face. It was easy to say, everybody be co-located. But the last couple of places I've worked, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. While, while my personal opinions aside, I do think that... In order for us to, and by us, I mean agile practitioners, <clears throat> anyone working in IT, I think in order for us to succeed, we need to find a good way to have high value, high fidelity conversations, regardless of they're face-to-face or not. So it's funny you say that because whenever I see this principle, I always think of this idea of what does, what does face-to-face mean? And, and, and when I explain it, I, I use it in the manifesto terms because, you know, over, right? So we say, well, we know that not everybody is face-to-face, right? So 
what would we face to face? Could we all agree is the best? And everybody goes, sure. If we're talking, I had a client once tell me six months and 6,000 miles can make anybody an a-hole, right? <laughs> and I've used that phrase verb, like verbatim, depending on the, you know, the people that are listening. Sometimes I use the full version of a-hole, but Regardless, you can seem like a jerk when you're via email or via instant messenger or via whatever, because tone can all, always be conveyed there, even over the phone, right? Even if you can't see, like you and I are doing this podcast, I can't see your face right now. You, we, we have done podcasts where I've seen your face. It's a completely different experience. I mean, I can make guesses about what that scraggly bearded complexion is doing right now. In the dark with the headphones on. Um, but I, I know what, I, I kind of have an idea versus some people, we have no clue, right? So if we have to choose, what would we rather choose? Does that make sense, Jay? Absolutely, it makes sense. To your point about being able to see versus not see, there's that widely widely quoted study, which is in, depending upon what side of the internet you come down upon is either complete garbage and debunked or completely valid, but it talks about communication and how a large percentage of our communication is done non-verbally. So I think it was, and I know the statistics are wrong, but something, something insane, like 70% of our communications or 80% of our communications is all non-verbal. It's all look and feel. Another small percentage of that, like 15 or 20% is the words we say. And then the last 5% is the actual tone. No, another 15 or 20% is the tone. And the last 5% is the word. So what you say isn't as important as how you say it and your face when you emote it. And you're absolutely right. The, the board meetings we've had and the podcasts we've had where we see each other, there is almost a different sort of interaction because you can, you can see when someone is winding up to speak. You can see when someone is, is frustrated. You can see when someone is excited and wants to get back onto a topic, which, which if you're not verbally looking at someone and trying to do it over the phone, it can be it can be pretty painful. Let's be honest. It can be pretty painful. You just don't know when the pauses are, right? You don't know when the times to it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I, you know, again, you and I have talked enough to where I could kind of hear you about to put that punctuation there. So I knew about the time to step in. But if you don't know that person, you don't know the situation, which often with our coworkers, especially when we've got offshore teams or we've got maybe onshore remote teams, you know. One's in Phoenix and another's in Philly or Dallas or whatever, right? Like often it's a different time where you are. It's a different type of environment. You don't know the context in which they're coming from. You don't know, you know, when you, when you sit next to each other, you know exactly what context they're coming from. I, I was reading this blog post once about how you stand communicates so much about how people respond to you. Like there's, there's the so-called power positions of, right? Like anything that makes you seem bigger than yourself, right? Where you've got like the hands spread across the table and you're standing, like making your stance bigger than what it is versus like if you're kind of closed armed and, and cross legged and kind of like closed off in the corner, it communicates a vastly different message. I, I like that you bring this up, Jay, because um, so much of how we present ourselves in face-to-face -face communication is almost more important than if we're going to do it. Because I mean, if you're going to be close, like if you were to be closed off and um, guarded with your body language, wouldn't it almost be better to be remote? Absolutely. Well, because then people wouldn't be able to pick up on that. They don't, they don't, if they don't have the verbal cues, all they can go off is the words used and the tone. And those can, honestly, a sociopath can easily manipulate that and say, oh, no, you're just inferring the wrong tone. <laughs> But to, your, but to your point about power poses, I'll give you a perfect example. Whenever I have someone stop by my cubicle, 
and where I'm currently, we have outrageously large cubicles. You can get three grand a month for an apartment this size in New York. Whenever someone stops in my cube to turn and talk to talk to me, I usually spin around and the first thing I do, truth be told, put my feet up on my desk. I put my feet up on my desk, I clasp my fingers together and put them on the back of my head. So I I make myself almost subconsciously more casual because I want to have a more casual type of interaction. And it's been funny. I've actually experimented and tried different poses with different people. And I get the most results when I come off like I'm just, you know, chilling out. We're we're sitting here rapping as opposed to sitting straight up like you said with your arms crossed crossed across your chest you come off with an almost um imperial or or guarded uh airs which is not which is not healthy communication (laughs) I i have this mental image of you like you have like a notebook of like Jen, day 73. Today I tried this pose with her and this was how she responded. She She didn't spit in my face as opposed to yesterday, but today it was more of an open-handed slap. Actually, if you'll open the notebook and it looks like the notes that What's-His-Name takes in The Big Lebowski. (laughs) And I'll just, I'll I'll leave you to remember that one. Um, So let me, let me talk about this, Chris. Um, One of the things here we have for potential agenda is can you think of an example where this principle was ignored or not paid paid enough attention to as it should have been, and then things went a little sideways. So, all right, this is probably not going to sound like I'm answering your question, but how I th- this is this is what I was thinking of when I saw that question. So, uh, I do a I do a workshop on a technique called brain writing, which is like um, nonverbal brainstorming, kind of a thing where you write down your answers and you pass the paper to people. I've I've, I've given it a couple conferences and. It's gotten some awesome, awesome feedback. But it, when you when you think of face to face conversation, we we say, well, we're going to get in a room and we're going to talk to each other. Completely forgetting the fact that face to face conversation may not mean the same thing to different people. So if I, as a purported extrovert, I don't know that I am or not, but regard regardless, right? So like I can communicate face to face. That's fine. But let's say I'm talking to an introvert, right? If they don't, if they don't respond, does that mean that face-to-face conversation failed? Or does that mean that I was face-to-face conversation for them? I wasn't meeting them where they were at. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you know what? You bring up a good point. There's a lot of conversation nowadays about introverts versus extroverts. And if you think about some of the people that go into software development or even technology as a whole, a lot of them, a lot more of them are introverted than extroverted. So maybe this push for face-to-face communication is not the best way for them to talk. Maybe, you know, and I know there's all these studies about getting more people involved in a team and whatnot. And some, most people, it's been my experience, even the quietest person eventually comes around and starts communicating and starts contributing. And usually they're the ones that come out with the greatest ideas. But it does sort of slap in the face to, hey, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't for everybody and it won't work perfectly. And maybe we got to try something a little bit different. I'll give you an example about uh, my experience of face-to-face communication. So the last couple places I've worked, they have distributed teams. And my current, the current engagement, current job, whatever place I'm robbing a check, they uh, they have a highly distributed team. So you have QA and development resources onshore, nearshore, offshore, halfway around the planet. It's been pretty crazy. And just now we're starting to get into the we we've started to realize that well not we the, the upper management started to realize that we need better video conferencing software we need the ability to see each other something as simple as a daily stand up 
And I, I knock on wood, I consider myself very lucky and very blessed that the remote members I have on this team are all very active. They're very talkative. They all contribute. They all have something to say, which is awesome because that's not always the case. Um, but some other teams have struggled. And now, corporate-wise, we're starting to get a little bit more emphasis to they just installed video phones for everybody. And they're making sure all of our offshore resources have webcams. So it's just being able to look at someone. You're right. You can infer a lot more. by how they're acting and how they're emoting and how they're moving to what they're actually saying. So I love that because you're, you're not, you're not, um, it's not what they say. Like you said earlier, that's the most important thing. Like the whole picture of who their, I guess their person is during communication periods is speaks to who they are more than anything. I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better not to try to one up you, but I was on a coaching gig where it was me kind of a more balanced kind of coach gig. I had a, a, a traditional business analyst who wanted to try coaching. And then I had like a, a tech, like a tech lead kind of architect kind of situation. We were kind of the three of us were inserted into this sort of dojo environment where we were going to take like a whole division of people and send them all through these little, many little coaching gigs where we kind of teach them all how to be teams, so to speak. And we're sitting there in one of our, it wasn't the first one, but it was one of our early meetings. And there we're all taking notes and we're all kind of chatting, so to speak, so that we can stay on the same page. And I'm noticing that the tech lead is not speaking, but yet he's typing through our Slack channel. He's typing things to me through Slack. And and he's having a conversation with me like, I'm communicating the BA, she's communicating. Um, we're communicating verbally, and yet he's communicating to us non-verbally. He's adding some amazing stuff. And I was kind of thinking like, and I kind of messaged back and I was like, why don't you say this out loud? And he messaged back and he's like, I'd rather feed you the information. You say it out loud, kind of a thing. And what ended up is, the other is seeing me as, wow, Chris has got this technical knowledge. They thought that the tech lead there was kind of a bump on the log. They were like, man, he's not really like contributing a whole lot. And I had to be like, hey, I don't know if y'all know this, but he was feeding me all that while we were chatting. He just wanted me to be the the, the mouthpiece for this thing. And he was feeding me all that. And after that, they were like, oh, cool, we get it. But because he wasn't verbal verbalizing his ideas – it didn't seem like it made like it seemed like he wasn't contributing. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I, and I can see real quickly how that would. Um, I were I have had a coworker, an architect, in a previous job, but did the same thing. We'd be in the middle of a conference call, and something would come up, and my my IM would start lighting up like a Christmas tree. And it's him bringing up really good points, and then I sort of had to repeat them. Although I wasn't given the cachet. Well, Jay, you really know what you're talking about. Uh, I didn't get that, Merman. So you're lucky there. But it also sort of stunted my conversations in the sense that I couldn't even be be in the moment, be present in my own meeting, because I'm trying to conduct I'm trying to conduct this communi- this collaboration session. But I also had this this other communication channel ringing in my ear, and it's all good stuff. And I was having you know it's a lot of it's that's a lot of uh, packet switching there to try and juggle all that, and it got real confusing really quickly. And I actually said to the guy, "Hey, look." Mr. Such and Such, Mrs. Such and Such, you have really good ideas and really good observations. I just, please, I need you to be vocal because I can't, I can't be your mouthpiece, be my mouthpiece and help make this conductive session. And slowly but surely, this person started to contribute more and it actually worked out awesome. 
Yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking at agilemanifesto.org right now, and the, as as you were saying that, I was kind of I wanted to kind of ref, you know as we were reading through the verbiage of the principles and the the picture that's in the background of the of the uh, of the page is the original signatories kind of standing around that board and they're talking about it, right? Well, if you look at that, well, they're all talking face to face. So again, this was 2001 and the best way to do that was to stand around a chalkboard. I'm guessing it was a chalkboard. Were there whiteboards back then? I don't remember. Uh, There might be. Who knows? There was still VHS. So chalkboard being there is probably realistic. They 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 manually wrote on a Betamax, <laughs> and they came over like uh like when you flip a book uh, where the pictures move. Um, so, <laughs> but to them back then, we have to talk face to face. I would say this is one of the few principles where you could say, based upon the technology, then it probably makes sense. But today, would they say? I mean. All the 17 signatories live across the world. They probably don't get together that much, but if they did, would they get together in person at a conference or would they get together via Skype or go to meeting? Right, right. And nowadays it's Skype, go to meeting, link. And I will say this. I do think some of the the one team that I had that was really high performing, they were all co-located and they all sat at the same uh, in the same area at the quote unquote agile tables, right? And it was wild to see the communication streams develop amongst themselves and how they put stuff together and how they just worked with one another. They were the first high performing team I've had I've I've worked with. So that being said, I do think there is a benefit to having everybody face to face. However, I have seen my current my current role. I have a team that's geographically dispersed. My QA lead is is three time zones away. I have a vendor who's on the other side of the country. I have offshore testing resources, offshore development resources, onshore on-site development resources and tech leads. And we actually get a lot of work done. And it's just, it's the constant quality communication. It's not relying, you know, I had a manager say to me once, I think it was a manager or somebody say to me, why, why call, why write when you can call, why call when you can stop by. And ever since I, ever since I've had that said to me, I try and pick up the phone more and just call people. I am a big believer in management by walking around. I think you can make a lot, a lot of progress, not only in your personal career, but in your endeavors, in your organization. If you just walk around and talk to people, you know, grab a cup of coffee, walk around, stop in a cube, get to know somebody. I'm not saying spend, you know, 20 hours of your 40 hour work week socializing, but there is serious benefit to getting to talk to people and treat them. I hate to say this. I'm going to, I'm going to hearken you know, it's Troy. They're not resources. You know, a lamp is a resource. They're they're and they're not headcount. They're heartbeats. And when you treat people like that, and maybe that's what they were trying. Maybe that's what the manifestos were trying to get to at the at the bottom of this was treat people like they're important and like they matter and communicate with them fully, and you'll get better results. You know, I I, I like the stories you told of like this was a high performing team. This wasn't, and these were some characteristics of it. I feel like. That's the beauty of us being human is that we're all different. And um, you take seven individuals and you swap two out and you bring two, two new in. And the dynamic has completely changed just upon those two new souls that are in the room kind of a thing. I had a, I had a team that was co-located and we, would, we had a board that was right behind where I was on the whiteboard. 
And uh, it was a company that like every wall was a whiteboard wall, which was very awesome. And I took advantage of. And we had, so the, you know, so the Kanban board was right behind me and we would do stand up and we would talk, we would speak, we'd walk the wall or whatever. And then as soon as everybody would, would be done, they'd go get their coffee, they'd come sit down and then all put their headphones on. And then the rest of the day, they'd communicate via Slack or instant or, or jeer or uh, hip chat or whatever, right? Whatever the I am choice of preference is. So I, I feel like today, if we were to say, the most effective, you know, efficient and effective method of conveying information to and within a development team is, you know, whatever, I mean, maybe a preference to face-to-face, but like, even if we do talk to -to face-to-face, like, is that the most effective? And I, I feel like, I feel like that should be up to us. I feel like we should say, hey, once a day, we're going to talk face-to-face, but the rest of the day, whatever's the most efficient, Right. Right. And if you look at if you look at all the principles as a whole, this one <clears throat> dovetails nicely into four. Number four, which is all about um, daily, uh, daily business collaboration. Right. Right. You, it doesn't need to be face to face if you're having quality communication. And by quality, I mean, everybody is listening. Everybody is paying attention. And they're all contributing and getting something out of it. There's a learning that comes with walking away from there. I, I've worked with people who take the best meeting notes you have ever seen in your life. I mean, their 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 notepad, their one note is amazing. It's it's almost a verbatim transcription. They should have been court stenographers. <laughs> Great, but I will say the other side of that is if you're so busy writing down what's being said. You're not taking time to, and I keep going back to that Lisa Adkins book about coaching agile teams. You're not taking time to go back to being in the moment and paying attention to what exactly is being said and trying to contribute and bring forth, birth this idea or this this thought you're thinking. Instead, you're too busy writing down everything that's said. So there's, I don't know, maybe you get one or, one or two people on a team who are really good stenographers and then get the, get the rest all contributing. Studies have shown that people that type notes actually remember less than if they write them by hand kind of a thing because they're forced to remember the most important stuff. So maybe, so maybe if we were to, I'm not saying that we have to amend principles as a part of this series, but like if we are saying, if this doesn't make the most sense, I would say the most, you know, conveying information to and within a development team is quality conversation with a preference towards face to face. Right. Right. You don't have to do it face to face for it to be quality. Find what quality is for you and then go do it. Perfect. Perfect. That's the best way to say it. Find the quality medium that works for you and your team and make it happen. So we're coming up on the 25-minute mark, Chris, and I know uh, it's just the two of us. I don't want to bore everyone to death. One last thing is we tried to we're trying to include challenges to our readers, uh, not readers, <laughs> challenges to our listeners. Uh, if you're reading if you're reading this podcast, you're in a different dimension, and God bless you. Send us whatever you're using to transcribe it. My challenge it would actually go back to the piece of knowledge that was passed on to me. Don't write when you can call. Don't call when you can stop by. Print that out. Put it on your desk. And when you can, try to try to call one more or two more people a day to all of our listeners. And try to stop by to at least one more person a day that you can. And you'll be surprised at the amount of forward progress you get just by meeting up with people and sharing, breaking bread and sharing stories. Exactly. And our last question to us is if this principle needed to be reworded in the spirit of the Christmas carol, 
So on the sixth day of Christmas, my mentor gave to me, how would you retitle this step? I mean, I think we hit it on the hit on the button earlier when I said quality conversation with a preference towards face-to-face. Find what quality connections are with your team and then encourage them, make them flourish. However they happen, we're all different people so make like embrace the differences and, and let's make let's make our conversation more quality. So you're saying it would be on the sixth day of Christmas my mentor gave to me communications of high quality? High quality with a preference towards face to face. Oh, that doesn't rhyme, Merman. You're killing me. You know what? <laughs> I've had too much wine to give a shit, so <laughs> well, all right, well let's uh let's take this one home, Chris. Do you have anything you gotta plug? Any conference appearances or anything? Uh, I, I, I just got accepted to Scrum Gathering Canada where our buddy Ryan Lockard is, uh, is going to be speaking. So I'm, I'm super pumped about that. So come drink with us for a good time. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I unfortunately have nothing to plug cause I don't get accepted anywhere cause I think I terrify people. Uh, but you can find me on the coalition. You're welcome to my house any day. <laughs> yeah, right. Scare, scare everybody. Uh, this is uncle Jay. He's real loud and annoying. Um, but you can find me on the coalition. You can find me on Twitter at Backdoor Agile. I'm friends with Merman, so you can find me there. Uh, and I, once again, we hope everybody's enjoying the series. And uh, please leave us some feedback in the comments and the show notes. And thank you very much, everyone. And until next time. <laughs>